Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. When did the image of success become so shallow and cookie cutter? It's carefree entrepreneurship, sprawling homes and curated aesthetics, all wrapped up in a simplified social media post, rife with the latest buzzwords explaining how you're just one manifestation away from the life of your dreams. But building thriving businesses and positioning yourself as a leader in any industry has little to do with hitting these external validations and everything to do with cutting through the crap and getting to work. My name is James Patrick, and I'm an internationally published photographer, marketing strategist, and your host in this discussion. I've spent decades studying the mechanics of success so I could reverse engineer the process. Together, let's specifically define what success means to you and determine the steps to get you there. With real strategies, exclusive interviews, and game-changing ideas you can implement into your life and business. It's time to go beyond the facade, beyond the posturing, beyond the image to create real change personally and professionally. This is the Beyond the Image Podcast. My guest today is George Liu. He's the CEO of Jim Pillars. George, how are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I feel like you and I have the exact opposite aesthetic in our offices. <laughs> Black and the white. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's simple for both sides. So yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm all for monochromatics. So yes. most of your work, most of your expertise lies in helping gyms and gym owners accelerate their growth in regards to their sales, trying to get more members into their gyms. Yep. What was it that actually inspired this, this line of focus for you? Mm, good question. Um, uh, so for me, it, it all started with my, my passion towards fitness. Um, so long story short, uh, I was actually born in Japan and raised in China. Uh, when I first moved to the U.S., uh, I grew up on the East Coast. It was really hard, you know, um, as with a lot of people that jumped into uh, their fitness journey. Um, mine got really personal just because uh, when I was growing up, because I was so different. For me, self-esteem and uh, self, self-competency self and self-confidence was something that I oftentimes had struggled with. You know, it's like just uh, I had a really hard time fitting in. And just because I was so different, I didn't speak the language and everything very lonesome right um and i think that gradually started building up and building up in terms of uh that the, the sense of um it's it's tough to say it but it's like it, it, it was like self-resentment right and then um one day it reached uh, kind of like its pinnacle when i turned 18 i looked in the mirror one day i was like dude like screw this you know like i'm, I'm gonna do something about my body i just don't like how i feel uh i don't like being in my skin you know Mm-hmm. Um, from that moment onwards, uh, everything really shifted for me just because up until that point, I had always been an underachiever in, in, my, in my entire life, whether it was school or whatever it may be. Uh, from that moment onwards, uh, I just really learned the value of uh, putting in work and then getting results and having that be a direct um, tie-in, right? So I consider fitness to be my first teacher. 
since then, I've actually jumped out to I had jumped out to college. And when it came to what do you want to do with with your life, it's like a very broad question. Right? It's like something existential that a lot of people uh, think about, uh, especially during like a transformative stage. For me, all I had known was like I just knew the positive consequences that fitness had brought into my life, and I was like, I want to learn more about that. So once I got to UMass, uh, I, two years in, I was still wandering around. What what did I want to do? But then. Um, I realized I wanted to learn a whole lot more about uh, exercise science. Like, so kinesiology, nutrition, um, all things within my field of interest. I just, I just really wanted to understand what just happened to my body just now, right? Because uh, when I started working out, within three weeks, I, I put on 12 pounds. And that was something that was unfathomable to me. So for me, it, it taught me that change was possible within my physical body. And something that you can't really deny, right? Just by looking in the mirror and especially when other people start remarking about it. So I dove really deep into exercise science and nutrition. Uh, along with that, I knew I also want to learn more about psychology and communication and also business, right? Business is such a wide term. What does that mean? What does running a business mean? Um, so, so that's when I built my own major. Uh, it was called health marketing and entrepreneurship. So I had my my uh, line of sight, if you will, just um, lined up at the health and fitness industry in terms of wanting to learn more. But at the same time, no, I didn't. I didn't know if I wanted to just be um, a trainer. Although there's nothing wrong with that, but but for me, like I knew I wanted to. My mind and my skill set typically goes towards, uh, especially across time. I just started realizing uh, towards like marketing and sales, and just wanting to understand how business works. Um, so if there was a way for me to marry the two, that'd be great, right? So um, after college. I had myself lined up with a really good job. Uh, it was uh, I was uh, pretty much got a sales role at LinkedIn, a billion dollar company, uh, social media. So I had that lined up in October, and from uh, May, which is when I graduated, up until October, I had those five months to kill. Um, so in May of 2018, I actually went off to China for a month to visit my family because uh, bulk of my family are still there, and then. Um, when I came back June, I was like, well, let's start something, you know, like you have four months, uh, even if nothing works out, you still have a fallback option. So my mind started searching, all right, so what do I want to start? Um, and before I knew it, three weeks later, I came across this set of uh, Facebook ads. Um, ironically, that was perfectly targeted towards me. It, it called out me perfectly. It was saying, um, hey, I know you've been checking out like drop shipping, affiliate marketing, all these things, uh, e-commerce or what it may be. Um, we tried all of it. You know, like we've been there, done that. Uh, but there's one business model that always works because it provides value uh, and there would never be a shortage of it. Curiosity uh, just took me away and I went down the funnel uh, next thing I know, I ended up on a sales call. And as a 22 year old, I ended up dropping like six grand um, onto a set of uh, Facebook ads course that taught people uh, how to start their own local lead generation agency uh, from this couple that I'm actually still well connected and eternally grateful for today. Um, so that that kind of put me on my path. And as soon as I jumped in, I was like, the business model made sense um, because if I could help um, a business owner make more money, would it be reasonable for me to ask for some in return, right? Um, my brother was working at Facebook at the time. So I, I knew the power of Facebook advertisement. And for me, I just jumped in. I was like, well, I'm definitely going to help gym owners. There's no question about it. Because if I can help gym owners, I can help more Georges at the age of 18. You know, like at that at that breaking point where enough is enough, um, I need to change. I want to change. I choose to change, you know? So that's kind of what spurred me on to that path.
life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, over the last three years now, we've, mm-hmm. we've seen such a fundamental shift in how services are provided to, to yeah. clients within the health and fitness space. I mean, we went through a massive lockdown to yeah. everyone rushing to provide services online, some more successful than others, exiting out a lot, rushing back into the gyms. Mm-hmm. Some trainers still trying to offer some sort of hybrid model, some pushing completely into full-time because like, you know what, I'm done with in-person. As the landscape has been so just different, really, I mean, the fabric is just completely changing. It seems like on on, on a regular basis, there's there's no standard anymore. There's, there's no, uh, you know, well, the, the way things once were or the way things they are now. Um, what have you noticed from your perspective in regards to how professionals in the health and wellness space are really trying to showcase their value and what they're trying to offer to their to their prospective clients? That's a good question. Um, yeah, because the theme has been just constantly varied, constantly changing, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and over, over the past few years, like there's has been a lot of changes. Um, However, if we boil it down to the fundamentals in terms of um, how a health and fitness professional can help the people they want to help, I think there are certain things that also at the same time that never changes, right? Um, which is our human psychology. Um, so, so the the human brain. I mean, um, since we have evolved into human beings as a species, like we haven't really received like an upgrade in terms of brain, in terms of how we think, how we feel, how we act, right? just different environments that we're, we're all of a sudden plopped into. And I think when it comes to providing value as a health and fitness um, professional, right, whether it's a trainer or online trainer or a hybrid, someone who, who's doing hybrid or a gym owner, whatever it may be, it's regardless of whichever model you're working with, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a people business. It's, it's above all else, a people business. Um, I remember, uh, I think earlier on in my career, when I read uh, a sales book, uh, How Seller Be Sold by Grant Cardone, if I remember correctly, one of the things he said is that regardless of whichever business you're in, you're always in the people business, right? So um, when it comes to providing value, it, it fundamentally comes down to, okay, so then in that case, if you're if you're in the people business, whether you're doing training or you own a gym or your online fitness business, like then what is most valuable to people, right? Um, and then peeling, starting asking those questions, peeling those layers back, then you get to understand, okay, so what do people truly value, right? Because I think oftentimes, um, whether it's any kind of health and fitness professionals, um, there's a tendency to, to really put um, your unique way of coaching or training kind of on a pedestal, right? Coming from a place of pride, regardless of whichever certificate or which, which path you had walked down for you to um, uh, kind of come up with your own training style of uh, your way of coaching clients, if you will. But at, at the end of the day, it's people don't really care about that. You know, like uh, what what people truly care about at the end of the day is like what their goals are. You know, where they are, who they are, what kind of bodies do they have, what are they what are they able to do with that body? Most importantly, like um, how are they living their life with the body that they're currently living in, right? And where do they want to go? Like, who do they want to be? What kind of body do they want to be living in? What do they want to be able to accomplish with their life? And, and also as a byproduct, asking yourself the question, what are they currently not able to do at the moment as a result of not having the thing that they want, which is their ideal body and how they feel about their body? 
or their athleticism <clears throat> or performance, so on and so forth. So I think when you get really clear on those, um, just getting really clear in terms of understanding what people truly care about is um, their ideal outcomes, right? Their ideal outcomes. And, and the bigger the gap between where they are and where they, where they want to be, um, the more you focus on that instead of how you go about coaching and training uh, your clients, when you really focus on that, um, how do I make it easier for our clients? How do I maybe, even though health and fitness does take work, right? It's like, how do I lessen the workload? How do I think on, on their behalf, right? It's like, when you start really thinking about that and and um, from the angle of how do I increase the likelihood in which I'm able to help them reach the ideal outcome, um, that's regardless of what whether you're a health and fitness trainer or online trainer or gym owner, um, that's when you're able to provide the most amount of value. It's more about them. It's never about you. I think having that fundamental piece in place is critical, regardless of landscape. Mm -hmm. I I agree entirely. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, obviously our our mission is to talk about marketing and to talk about sales, and I feel that there's a misunderstanding of marketing and sales. That you know, particularly when we when we hear a lot of people say, "Well, I'm I'm just not good at sales." You know, I I I don't have what it takes, and my response is then you then you are not clear on what sales is yes. because if 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 you can have a friendship you're perfect at sales if you can if you can have a good relationship with a family member you're perfect at sales if you can develop rapport with a colleague you're perfect at sales because that's ultimately what sales is is caring about another person 100%. and so much so that you want to offer them something that would help them Mm-hmm. And that at, at its core, I think that's what sales is. And, you know, I, I, I want to echo one of the points you made, which is our, our prospective clients do not care about our unique selling proposition or, or you know, our, our unique differentiators, unless it's being served as this is how we're going to help you achieve your aspirational identity faster, more efficiently, uh, with, with greater efficacy. That's yep. the only time they care about it. And all it really comes down to is, am I going to get to where I want to go? Yes, yes or no. And the fact that when we think about like how we're positioning ourselves, you know, as, as, as a starting focus, it's, well, I'm positioning myself based off what my clients need, mm-hmm. what that aspirational identity is. And then I can build everything I'm offering around that because if we start the other way around i feel like we're always just going to try to we're always like you know shifting to try to play catch up with with a shifting need right plus you'll you'll end up coming up with things that that in which you think is kick-ass and is amazing is so awesome (laughs) and And no one wants it no one wants it no one cares about it right it's like um it's like there's a there's a hard way and there's an easier way the easier way is like identify who you're looking to help and what kind of results you want to deliver them, right? And then, and then from that place, then backtrack. Okay, well, what kind of business do I want to build that serves my need? Uh, and in which way do I want to solve the problem for for the people I'm trying to help? Right. What have you noticed in regards to consumer behavior related to health and wellness over the last few years? Because I feel that also shifted. Because you know, if if if, if a consumer outcome is the first priority. I would say the second priority is how they want that outcome to be achieved or, you know, what the delivery method is. What have you seen as something that health and wellness professionals have had to adapt to in the last, you know, 36 months? Also a great question. Um, when it comes to consumer behavior, I think, I mean, ever since the the start of COVID, 
I think there's still a, a pretty heavy degree of fear sometimes uh, within people um, as if that wasn't there already, right? Because when you think about uh, gen, gen pop, like just someone who's trying to get in shape for the first time, it's a it's really daunting. You know, it's, it's a really daunting task to, to take it upon themselves to, to learn, okay, well, how do I work out? How do I not hurt myself? Is this the right thing I'm doing? Uh, on top of that, there are fears around maybe being in a specific environment. It's like, oh, this gym is too crowded. Like, I'm, I'm scared of being judged. I'm scared of being in that corner, uh, being being judged by other people, seeing that I, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So um, on top of that, now, like, with a, with a rise of a pandemic that had taken place, I still do see that there is a good chunk of fear. Um, and above all else, I think what is missing um, to, to bridge that gap is just trust. Right. It's like um, something that I have seen over the past three to four years is that I think consumers have become more, more savvy, more, more sophisticated than they have ever been. Right. It's like they're, they're just inundated with information, a ton of information um, for better or for worse. Right. Um, and at the same time, like for them, what they really want is just clarity. Right. Um, but at the same time, like being, being exposed to, all that information, it also makes them feel a little bit skeptical. It's like, okay, well, like, who do I listen to and who do I go to for help? And um, and is this, or even in, in the case of, let's say, advertising, it's like, is this legit or not? Whatever it may be, right? Um, so so what it takes now is um, same thing as what it always has been, except uh, maybe heightened to, to a greater extent. So how do you build trust? How do you build trust at a really deep level, right? So again, I think... Um, when we're talking about consumer from a macro standpoint, that's that's maybe a little bit harder to to bring to like on the ground, like in terms of uh, something that's implementable, right? But but in terms of uh, building trust, um, regardless of how consumer behave a, a, as a whole, right? So I, I truly do believe that people are more uh, health conscious than they have been before because there was something that threatened their life and the the lives of their families. Um, however, now in the midst of all that fear, uh, on a on a practical and tangible level, is how do you build trust? And it kind of loops back into the conversation we had uh, just just now um, around sales. What is sales, right? Um, the deeper you're able to get to understand who is it that you're talking to, and, and remind yourself that this is a a specific person with their own background, with their history, with their own goals and aspirations, um, the the better it'll serve you, right? From the very first interaction, um, so so overall, to, to answer your question, I think there has been uh, more fear from a consumer at a macro, um, more mistrust, and maybe even more than before. And how you can quote unquote combat that and help people with that is uh, do the opposite, right? Bridge that trust, communicate honestly, openly, compassionately. You know, um, placing them first. And I think so much of that we can we can show in our content marketing. This is part of our online presence, our, our social mm -hmm. media, our, our our podcasts, our our email newsletter, all the things we do that have touch points with our audience. These are all opportunities to build mm -hmm. that trust, to build that rapport, to reinforce, because, you know, it, it only really becomes a problem when there's a misalignment, when right. you're espousing one thing, but yet you're operating something completely differently. But when you have a cohesion between what you state are your values and how you're operating and how you're showing yourself, 
that's just going to reinforce that trust. Okay, yes. there's a consistent message here. Um, you know, when I think about like uh, onboarding clients, as much as I hear people fear sales, and and I do I do hear that, and and I can sympathize with it, even even though understand that maybe they don't know what sales are. Ultimately, what I've discovered is many of them are actually very good at sales. Mm-hmm. They just never knew it was sales. So their actual issue goes further up the pipeline. Their actual issue was with attracting, finding new leads, finding new people that they can build that relationship with. Have you noticed there any any development or any changes or any best recommendations on what those in the health and fitness industry can do to try to build more of that top of the funnel. So they are developing new leads that they can nurture into prospects and eventually onboard as clients. Mm, good question. Essentially top of the funnel, what I would refer to as uh, is more so like lead generation, right? It's like, um, and as, as you navigate towards it down the funnel, um, you have more conversations, but where, what I have identified just across the board is most businesses actually struggle with, uh, generation as the first piece because it's um it's step one um where this gets really interesting is that i think a, a lot of a lot of uh trainers as well as uh, just business owners in general um have a tendency to believe that it well in order to generate leads sometimes they're, they're, it's not mutually exclusive to to building trust right um generating leads what it comes down to really is just like how much work you're willing to put in and how much outreach you're willing to do right um i think my concern and my fear is like when um there's no doubt that trust is critical however when people for example there when you take a step back there there's six main ways to acquire a customer right um and, and this didn't come from me this came from um the, this guy alex ramosi who's also uh, was in the health and fitness space right um, but it's fairly accurate, right? So the first way is own media, as in who do you have access to uh, that you have built a list from, right? It's like whether it's your followers or um, if you have been around for a while, um, who's following you, right? Earn media, as in the content you post out, right? So so the more content you push out, the more eyeballs there will be on your content. And if it resonates with people, people will buy into that and there will be interest and trust that is built over time, right? So that's the second piece. Um, paid media, that's the third piece, which is you leveraging a platform uh, to be able to get in front of more eyeballs and more people, you know, that, that could potentially, that you could potentially help. Um, and then there are referrals, which is naturally just uh, word of mouth with people that you're speaking with. There's uh, outbound, which is you sending out outbound messages. And there's also uh, JV, right? So, which is uh, affiliate marketing, right? Um, now, with all of these ways, there are plenty of ways to get off the ground. Paid advertisements is probably, it, it is the most expensive option, right? So for someone who's just starting out, what I usually recommend is uh, going really hard on earned media, right? And also uh, direct outreach, which is uh, when you present that that way. I think most people aren't willing to do that just because it makes them feel wildly uncomfortable. And they feel as though it's like it could be um, not, uh, like for example, when you shoot messages to um, let's say friends or family, right, just ask them how things are going, or uh, when you shoot messages to um, people that you may be connecting with online, right? When you make content, 
sharing more about uh, the problems you're able to solve and your ideal prospects, right? It's like, um, I think it, it's very easy to get wrapped up and think that, oh, I'm being overly promotional, right? Like I, I'm being, I'm being a little bit um, maybe sleazy or whatever it may be, but the, in reality, you just really have to learn the skill set and how to go about it in a way that feels aligned with you, right? It's like, um, I, I think the, the magical answer that every single person wants to hear is like, there's a, there's a magical way in which you tap into it and all of a sudden leads are just raining down, you know, from the sky. Um, and you have everyone that just knows your life story and exactly why you're in this to help people because you are, and, and that you have the expertise to help them. But in reality, that's, there's a gap, right? Um, because people don't care about your story and where you're coming from until they know how much you care about them. But you won't be able to care. You won't be able to show them that you care about them until you bridge um, some kind of connection there, right? It's like in the form of maybe like a direct outreach, like a message, like a DM, right? Or you're pushing out content, um, whatever it may be. It's it takes a lot of work, and so I think it's the answer that most people don't want to hear. However, the more you put yourself out there, there's a saying that um, inflow as an inflow of lead generation, how much that comes in, is directly correlated to outflow. The more you put out, the more that comes in, right? The more messages you send out, the better you get at sending out messages. The more content you make, the better you get at making content, right? So uh, just the more the more um, outflow, the more inflow, right? So as far as solving that lead generation piece, you just have to get louder. You have to learn more about sales and psychology and how to come off in a non-spammy or sleazy way, um, in a way in which you can communicate with your ideal prospect. Um, and there are always ways to go about doing that, you know, but I think that's a step people are afraid to take. Yeah. It, it comes down to a choice of investment. Yeah. You can, you can choose to invest into advertising. And I, there have been times where that's been the choice I wanted to make. And, uh, you know, the number one thing I, you know, out of any of these that, that I choose to do would be earned media platforms. So yeah. content, content marketing, we're creating uh, landing mm -hmm. features on, podcasts and magazines, uh, television spots, all of them are effective tools for either authority amplification or lead generation. Um, but, you know, when, when people are, as you were talking about like that, that magic thing that will onboard more clients than anything else out of any of these, especially for a personalized service out of any of them, it's outbound marketing. It, it, nothing even comes close to, to touching the efficacy of it, reaching out to someone, developing a rapport, having a conversation, and then offering them a solution to a need. Mm -hmm. And 100%. It, yeah, I, I understand why individuals are hesitant to do it. I understand the, because we've all had the person do it wrong to us. Yes. Why. We've all, we've all gotten the copy and paste messages. We've all like, it's worse when they like, they get your name wrong or the, you know, they forgot to change, you know, We've right. all had it and it's, it's annoying as hell. And, and I'll be honest, when you start to do it, there are going to be times where you're going to meet that resistance from people you're trying to connect with, mm -hmm. where someone's going to be like, oh, here's the sales pitch or, you know, or oh, not another one of these, you know, or what, you know, what's your angle on this one? What you know, it's going to happen. That's okay. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a clear indication of one it could be an opportunity for you to refine your own approach. Yes. Or maybe they're just not the right connection for what you're trying to offer. Mm -hmm. Either way, you're okay. And, and to add on to that, I mean, I think sometimes 
well, especially when we're first starting off, like when it comes to uh, prospecting or generating leads, right? Um, I mean, I, I think it's helpful to keep in mind that we don't have to take it personally, mm -hmm. right? Because like, I, I think it's very common that uh, like, James, I, I don't know if you've ever done any kind of like outbound marketing or anything like that, but um, at the end of the day, it's like, regardless of whoever you're connecting with, even in, in a sales conversation, uh, whatever it may be, there's, there's a whole life that this other person is living that is completely irrelevant to you, right? It's like, so you have no idea what's going on in their life. Maybe they're having a bad day or maybe they're just not the right fit or what it may be. Like that's, you don't have to take it personally, right? Um, however, for, for anyone that's listening to this, if uh, their business, growing their business is a priority because it's meaningful to them and they, they have a goal, like they, they will have to jump over this hurdle of fear, right? It's like, like the same goes, like everything you ever want is on the other side of fear, right? So, um going through those uh, fear of rejection, um, fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, imposter syndrome, those are all standard. That's, that's normal. Um, for some, it might even be considered a rite of passage, if you will, right? It's like, and especially when it comes to the beginning stages um, and nailing down the these two really broad concepts like marketing and sales, right? Sometimes just take cold, hard work and like you push on more content, you shoot on more messages. Um, hell, you can even hand out flyers, right? It's like that even counts as like outbound in my eyes, right? It's like, um, or just talk to people while and comfortable, especially early on mm -hmm. normal. It, there's so much of this that harkens to, you know, when I, early in my career, when I launched my photography business, it, mm -hmm. it is impossible to grow a business unless people know you exist. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is just communicating what you do, why you do it. Okay, so let's call that phase one, but eventually you get into the nuances of solving problems. Mm -hmm. And then then the, the conversation evolves. I, I think about, you know, uh, something an old mentor told me as I was trying to launch my business. He just said, you know, here it is. He, it, well, I was working in marketing at the time, which by the way, marketing is so much easier to do when you're working for someone else's company versus yeah, your yeah. own because, because of ego. <laughs> yeah. um, and my VP popped his head in my office, asked me how how my little side hustle, my photo business was going. I was like, yeah, it's, it's going okay. It's picking up momentum. And he says, you know, if you really want to grow it, here's what you need to do. And I like took out a pen and paper. I was like, okay, this guy's going to, you know, give me a dissertation. I'm ready for this. And he only said six words. Uh, he said, be seen, be heard, be read. That was it. Mm. And he said, be seen, be heard, be read. Go out, give value, be seen in the community you want to be a part of, be heard, don't just be a passive participant, be an active participant. Don't be a person at the conference, be the person on stage at the conference yes. and be read, be, be contributing content to the audience that you wish to serve that offers value to them. Just do those three things. Be seen, be heard, be read. That was it. Mm -hmm. And like that has been a, just a cornerstone of, of how we've, we've engineered our marketing. And the other thing I'll add to that is I've noticed, you know, you know, with what you were saying with taking things personal, when we are trying to sell something and we're in a place of need, like many of us have, have been over the last several years, you know, with, with shifts in, in, in the world, in the economy, et cetera. Um, when you're trying to outbound and, and you need to make sales, your ego is going to be sitting sidecar with you. <laughs> it, it's it's going to be harder. Not that's about, mm -hmm. it's just going to be harder to separate being told no being rejected, being hit with an obstacle because, well, there's a need there. And one of the 
pillars that we always had at my old career was the worst time to market is when you need sales. Mm, yep. True. Because you, you, you're operating just out of a place of need. Scarcity. The best time to market. Yeah. The best time to market is when you don't need sales, when you're busy, it's the best time to market because when you're really busy, you're not just focused on a transaction. You're focused on a relationship. Yep. This is, this is an investment into a future. I might not need this right now and that's okay. This is now, you know, if someone's listening to this and they need sales right now, that doesn't mean shit to them, right. but, <laughs> but it is something to keep in mind of how our own positioning of what we need in this transaction, it can have an influence on how that conversation goes. hundred percent. Yeah. Because sales, when it comes down to it, I mean, just really just relationship building, right? It's like, um, when you come from a place of need, from a place of scarcity, you make it almost always, unless you, you're the kind of person that chooses to look at it and observe it and work at it, um, you almost always come from a place of uh, self-serving, more so. Right? It, it shines through, right? It's like that's why in sales, um, that's where oftentimes sales does get a bad rep, right? It's like um, when when sales reps have what's called a commission breath, right? It's like when, when you can tell that they're just trying to close you for them to benefit it's like in that conversation like how do you react can you feel that 100 percent, right so uh and i think that's uh that's also another fear i think uh, that gets in the way of people even jumping into the mindset of letting themselves um market and promote themselves in the first place because there's a part of themselves that may be judging themselves um and they don't want to come off as such right um however to overcome that i think I mean, there are a couple of ways to go about it. Like one's just like repetition. You know, you just keep on doing the thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, in in therapy, there's uh, there's a term called exposure therapy, right? In which mm-hmm. when you consistently expose yourself to the stimulus that um, that frightens you, right? It's like that that makes you uncomfortable. Like over time, you get more used to it. That's one way. But the other way is like this is uh, won't dive into the woo side of it, but um, but the other part that actually what I've personally found to be extremely helpful is actually diving deeper into understanding my own emotions and working through that. I think diving deeper into emotional awareness in terms of how I'm feeling. Um, but all that aside, I think uh, tactically, what what could really help in terms of a person being able to get through, right? It's essentially it, it's helpful to think it think about it as you're doing outreach to to get new clients as um. Think of it as you're trying to break through an invisible barrier in which the consumer, uh, the prospect that you're looking to serve, like oftentimes they just have this like invisible barrier, whether it's noise or misinformation or their past experiences or whatever it may be. And they they really, if they're in the market for health and fitness change, they're really not willing to consider anyone else until someone breaks through the barrier and gets through mm-hmm. them to them and for them to see like, oh, wait, holy shit, this person I'm talking to is a real person, right? But all the battle that you're actually going through to break through that invisible invisible barrier uh, that, that comes from the, the negative experiences they haven't had in the past, whether, whether it's uh, another person that reached out to them that, that spammed them or that they joined the gym and felt judged, wherever it may be, the more persistent you are in such, um, the, the, the higher the likelihood you'll be able to break through. And, and when you actually take a step back and, and think about how you want to approach this entire thing uh, from the way in which you feel aligned with. So, so then it, it changes your messaging, right? Um, then it shines through. Then you break through. Right. But I agree with you. You know, I, I, it's so fascinating how as consumers, we know what captivates our attention. 
we know the things that we we just can't say anything but yes to. Mm-hmm. But we just expect it to be different when we're on the other side of the table. We expect there to be that magic bullet or that that hidden formula or that that secret ad copy that converts better than anything else. And that but yet we're not falling for that as consumers. And I think we need to operate as business owners how we want to be operated to as consumers. And once once we start to move in that direction, I think that's where you start to start to get into a better rhythm when it comes mm-hmm. to particularly with outbound marketing. Um, you know, one of the things that I found to be effective, I'm curious your thoughts on this, is there are t- like for for my specific business, it's it's not often and I'm, I'm in a sales cycle. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know, a quarter of the year, I'm in a sales cycle. Most of the year, I'm in just a lead gen and nurture cycle for Mm. the few times a year when I open up cart. So Mm. when I'm in a sales cycle, the first few, let's just say weeks, I'm, I'm in a sales cycle. It's going to feel a little novel again because it maybe has been a while since I've been doing outbound sales. You know, I've been building relationships and, and investing in all that time. And those, you know, all those investments I've made, those are easier, faster, qu- quicker sales. Mm-hmm. But when I start to, you know, prospect new clients in this time, in this sales cycle, yeah, I'm going to feel a little bit green at first because, well, mm-hmm. it might've been a few months since, since I've been oh. doing a lot of outbound prospecting. And what I found that helped is just having like, cannot fail systems. So, you know, a, a failable system would be I need to close X number of sales. That that is a system that that imputes that some there's another party that's responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't control that, uh, but I can control. Did I send ten outbound messages today? Yes or no? And it's just a checker. Yes or no? And that is a simple system. Okay, that is I cannot fail at that system as long as I well I just got to spend twenty minutes and find ten potential prospects who would be perfect for the solution I'm trying to offer who need the solution I'm trying to offer. Let me introduce myself. Yes. Okay, that is that is a system and it you know it it removes a little bit of the the ability to overthink too much about it because I'm I, I'm systemizing it or you could put a timeline. You know what today I'm going to spend you know, every Friday, I'm going to spend 30 minutes in my DMs prospecting 30 minutes from 12 to 1230. That's my job. And it's in the calendar. So there's no, there's nothing else to be done during that time because it's in the calendar. Um, Have you, have you found any systems that have worked for you in regards to how, how you choose to do outbound marketing? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, first of all, I also want to add on top of what you, what you shared. I think that's that's step that's step one and that's that's a phenomenal first step right just like i think step one is like people because prospecting because the, the act of prospecting itself can oftentimes be uh considered like a negative experience right it's like it, unless you plan for it it's like it's kind of like someone who's trying to get in shape um but has never actually really spent a lot of time in the gym or working out right it's like they're going to keep pushing it off so until you have that time on your calendar and you're someone who chooses to live by your calendar um it won't happen Right, and then making it more so about your what's within your control, the internal, um, having having something that's um, measurable as far as a goal for something that you have control over that'll serve you more than uh, more than outside of control, right? Um, as far as outbound for us, um, I mean we're we're more of a 
marketing consulting agency, right? So, so I think with what we have learned and what we do, it's a it's a little bit um, a hard to mirror and or put into place. But essentially, like one of the things that we're doing right now is like, as I have scaled the business, I have. I have had more resources in which I can invest more so into a sales team, right? So um, oftentimes like our, our sales process, well, when it comes to, when it comes to outbound specifically or just in general, I can go in general. In general, um, ideally when you think of cracking a channel, trying to think like at at what point our business is helpful to share Um, in the beginning phases, at the beginning, when you don't have enough resources to build out a team to, to really go hard on paid advertisements or whatever it may be, um, you really have to rely on a lot of uh, a lot of discipline and a lot of work that you you personally are putting in, right? Mm-hmm. Once first starting off, and we don't really do this anymore um, because uh, we, we have other channels we have been able to tap into, but um, when I was first starting off, I actually, when I was working at LinkedIn at the time, um, I would literally, uh, every single morning, uh, as we're driving into work, uh, me and my two of my roommates, while, while one of my buddies was driving, I would be on the side seat. I'd be like, hey man, like, can you actually drive to work? I, I, I need to do something. And I would be finding gym owners on Facebook and I would be sending out 50 to 80 Facebook friend requests a day. And, and oftentimes I would be going to the people you may know list, right? So, so mm-hmm. because once you have, uh, once you get your, um, foot off the ground, then Facebook actually does a lot of the work for you and serves the people that you may lo- be looking to find um, mm-hmm. to you, right? So what I was doing back then when I was er- earlier on, I was sending out 50 to 80 Facebook friend requests a day. Um, and I think I, at some point I, I, I tracked and I sent over like 4,000 Facebook friend requests, right? It's like, and a lot of DMs also flew out, right? Um, I remember jumping into a mentorship and a, a consulting program uh, back in 2019, which is, it was kind of well known as a high ticket one where I dropped like 10 grand. Um, one of the fundamental pieces that they had taught uh, was around organic prospecting, right? Because when you're first starting out, you don't you don't have as much resources to, to build a team or put into paid ads. So what can you do? We, we only had two resources. We either have money or we have time. So when you don't have money, you have to put in the time. So for me, I was putting my time in, in terms of uh, sending out Facebook friend requests, uh, joining different groups where people that I choose to serve uh, could be living in, right? It's like on Facebook, which is a really good platform as well. Um, and I would be sending out different messages, right? And I would test a lot of different messaging. Um, and at that point, um, how you go about doing it is going to be very critical, right? It's like just a tip for for anyone that's listening to this, especially if they own, well, regardless of whichever business, what kind of business they own, um, but especially if you're just starting off, an opener, because people oftentimes, like, they don't want to come off as, like, spammy, or I don't want to come off as, like, oh, being 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 weird, being sketchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but a very simple opener that I, what I have tested in real time um, with, within our community, uh, as well as what I have seen uh, other of my peers have tested out, is uh, just a simple message. It's like, uh, if you just ask people if, if they know of anyone that could benefit from the service, right? So, so a very simple process tweak, right? Is then instead of you uh, perceiving it as like you soliciting from another person, you're just simply asking them, hey, like, do you know of anyone that would be a good fit for what I'm looking to do, right? Whether you own, um, and this applies for any business, especially serve, any service-based business period, right? But what that could look like for, for example, a trainer is, um, a messaging would be, um, hey George. Um, well, ideally you want a, a few few pieces of dialogue, right? It's like back and forth, back and forth. You want to personalize it, right? 
Um, but then after a few messages in, uh, you can very easily just float. Um, hey, George, uh, I know it's totally out of the blue, but um, I recently put together an X program, right? So ideally, you want to make an offer uh, that's geared towards uh, solving uh, the problems of a prospect that you're looking to serve, right? So let's say if you were a trainer and you decided to help just moms or uh, busy dads or busy professionals or vegans, right? So you'd be able to come up with a like a cool name wrapped around it, right? Something that aligns with you. Right. Hey, I just come. Uh, hey, George. Super. I, I know this is totally out of the blue. A little bit weird, but um, I actually recently built out um, X. Right. So what, whatever you want to call it, like a twelve week whatever X Y Z. Um, that's designed to help X achieve Y. Right. So it's designed to help uh, X, which is who you're serving. Let's say busy moms um, lose fifteen pounds. Uh, without having to sacrifice all the favorite foods that she has to eat. Um, and period. I was curious, do you know of anyone that could benefit from this? I was like, you could float that cold. You could float that um, to your friends or family or whatever it may be, right? It's like with friends and family, like you just have to interject it. And before that, a few pieces before that, we'd just be um, just catching up with them. Be like, hey man, how you been? It's like, dude, I, I don't know if I, uh, I shared with you, but I'm actually like now doing, uh, I'm, I'm a coach and I've been training a lot of clients, you know, um, recently started building out XYZ, uh, X, uh, recently built out uh, this program that helps X attain Y results. Um, do you know of anyone? Right. So, so best case scenario, um, if you're chatting with someone who's uh, an ideal prospect of yours, um, they would say yes. Well, <laughs> they would say yes in, in the sense that they would respond like, oh, wait, I need that. What is that? <laughs> right. And then at that point, you can start a dialogue. Right. It's like, and you can just open up the dialogue. Uh, worst case scenarios, they either don't open the message, they ignore it, or they refer you to a friend. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so f- for me, like I took a, a very similar process in which um, for two years, what I was doing, I was just helping gym owners get get marketing help free of charge. Like I just didn't charge anything up front. Right. So um, whatever that program or offer, uh, ideally, it's uh, something that's easy for people to say yes to. Right, irresistible. Right. You That's know, it, as as you were describing that, like I love the almost the the deflecting of the sale uh, as as a as a way to just pique the interest. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I I I would be interested in something like that. Um, I I've recently become obsessed. You know, I mean, and I I want to edify what you said, you know, you have money versus time. And if you don't have money, you have to invest the time, yep. you know, uh, early prospecting. Yeah. I had to sit on my phone, you know, with my big thumbs trying to type everything out as fast as I could, because, you know, trying to engage in numerous conversations at once with no real effective way to track conversations mm. with, without just scrolling up and down <laughs> through things, um, you know, couldn't afford a CRM at the time. And more importantly, like how am I porting in all my Instagram contacts into the CRM? I have found such a great advantage of leveraging uh, Meta's new uh, business dashboard, which I can connect all my Instagram conversations. I can mm. add tags to any single conversation. So I can say, you know what? This is someone I'm talking to about the potential of, of doing a photo shoot together. This is someone else who might be a great prospect for a coaching service. This was someone mm. else who you know, should, should attend my upcoming conference. And then I can sort 
all my conversations, all my DMs based off what I haven't responded to yet, who I flagged as a photo shoot prospect, who I flagged as, as a prospect for coaching services, who I flagged as, and it's, it's, I am able to achieve in minutes what would take me quite literally hours. Mm -hmm. And it's become a faster communication workflow because I can just work from a laptop or a desktop and have real engaging conversations in such a faster time versus, you know, what it was. And this is one of the things like these tools exist. Should you choose to use them and they become easier and better and faster? It's just, should you choose to use them? And and really that's what it comes down to. And adding on to that, I think while yes, it takes resources as in like money, there's a cost to a lot of softwares, a lot of different um, paths, right? Like a, um, whether you're you're installing like a CRM or like just uh, downloading like a Chrome extension that's able to help you out or whatever it may be. Um, I mean, oftentimes I think, I, I firmly believe this, oftentimes it's less about the resources you have and more more about how resourceful you are, right? It's like, um, because if you if you are resourceful enough, you could, what's what's important, I think, uh, adding on to what you shared, James, is um, having a system that's able to help you track, that's leading you to success, right? I think because where a lot of people fall into a trap is, um, let's say they, they go balls to the walls and they do the things, but they either aren't consistent with it enough or they're not able to track it properly. So they don't know if what they're doing is effective. Um, and if you don't measure something, how could you manage it, right? So so if you have no way of measuring, okay, well, am I on the right track? Is this messaging, is this helpful? Uh, does this sit well with me? But is, And is this, are prospects resonating with this, right? So if you don't have a way of tracking things, especially when you're first starting out, I mean, you're, you're in for a world of hurt, right? Because that just leads to easily being discouraged. Um, but an easy solution coming out of that is like, if you just choose to see yourself as the resourceful version of you, because there is, right? It's like within every single one of us, there's a resourceful version of us and we can always choose to be resourceful. Um, then you can even start taking a step back and, and start Googling things. You never know. It's like, there are plenty of free tools, plenty of free tools that the the constantly are, are being built, right? It's like, um, and we live in a crazy, crazy age where if we were if we were attempting to have this conversation, let's say like 50 years ago, <laughs> it wouldn't be in this format, right? So like we're living a crazy time as it is. Like there are plenty of resources and tools out there. Even if you don't have money, you just have to start somewhere and, and choose to be the kind of person that looks for those things. Because if not, if not like you just won't, you just won't progress, you know? George, where can listeners go to learn more about you and the work you're doing with Gem Pillars? I would say Instagram is a good bet. Uh, I I promised my team multiple times that I will be pushing out more content. Maybe someday um, a YouTube channel that my my peers are also peer pressuring me into it. Um, but George L ten twenty two on Instagram uh, for now. Perfect. We'll make sure that is in the show show notes. George, absolute right. pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond the Image podcast. Please follow, like, and review wherever you happen to listen to the show. And if you want to connect to me, you can find me at jamespatrick.com, Instagram at jpatrickphoto, or you can text me any of your marketing questions to 480-605-3254. Thanks again.
When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.